We wanted to see if you had the ability to expand your mind and your horizons. And for one brief moment, you did. When I realized the paradox. Exactly. For that one fraction of a second, you were open to options you had never considered. That is the exploration that awaits you. Not mapping stars and studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. So say we all. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die? Only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 91. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, wherever you are tonight, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Oh, Miles, you did it. You gave me the old standby there in your greeting. It has to be spontaneous. It does. It was spontaneous. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to coerce it out of you or anything like that. Miles, it's good to see you again. We took a week off here. We did. It's nice to be back. It is great to be back. There's a Man, we missed a ton of news. We have lots to catch up on. I know. I have lots in there, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to try and breathe through it fairly fast, but... Mm. Wow, very, it's good to see you again. All I'm saying is it's good to see you again, Miles. Good to be sitting in the room with you. Likewise. Right. And we're in February. Do you know what February is? It is Farpoint Month. That's right. We're only a couple weeks away. And, and you know, it's going to be here before you know it. I know. You know, <laughs> you know, two podcasts from now, we'll be at Farpoint. And we'll be ho- hopefully talking to some uh, uh, neat and interesting people. And uh, Yeah, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, about some mm-hmm. of the people we'll be seeing there. If you are going, we do want to say this, and we're, I'll say this again later on the show, but if you are going to Farpoint let us know. We would love to sit down, meet meet you, maybe grab a, a drink or so, or you know, mm-hmm. sit down, chat. We'd just love to find out people that are going to far. I mean, we know it's a smaller con, mm-hmm. but uh, gives us a chance to get to know you a little bit. But consider going because these smaller cons offer some of the bigger cons uh, you can't have. There's just a more intimacy with, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the, the guests and with each other too. And uh, I've been fighting a cough for the past week and a half. So if you hear me cough, and I do apologize now. Yeah, in advance, in advance, just be aware, cough. Check. Well, you we have a listener question that we posed actually last week. Okay. Was it in the, you know what? We did the listener feedback show at mm-hmm. the end of the other week. And so this didn't get into the regular show. And we're going to address it here and allow you another week just to discuss it. We did get a lot of feedback in this on the Facebook fan page. But for those of you that don't visit the Facebook fan page, we know there are those of you out there that don't. Um, we want to give you this question and allow you to dialogue about it, email us it, or um, you know, send us an audio file with some feedback or call in to 1-888-508-4343. And this is a question. Miles, do you want to read the question for us? I know that you kind of bypassed that just a second ago. Sure. Um, we asked, um, we talked about um, who are your favorite current genre characters? Uh, it could also be all-time favorite genre characters. What makes a great genre character, and are you more likely to stick with a show because of a character or story? 
Yeah, I think we broadened that to say who's your favorite genre cast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we did get a lot of response and the listener feedback. We'll be talking about that in the listener feedback mm-hmm. show. So if you don't listen to that, you know, jet on over there. We'll be talking about it there. Well, Miles, on the menu tonight, jumping right in, mm-hmm. um, we have an interview with Ivan Doan. Now, if you haven't heard of Ivan Doan, don't worry. He's coming out with his new series, a new web series called the Overturn Series. Okay. And we are one of the first groups that are really bringing a live interview uh, with him. And it premieres in about two weeks. And it's held as a sci-fi mystery, which is something you don't often see stuff billed as. True. Um, Yesterday was a lie. was kind of a sci-fi mystery. But uh, not too many. That was also like film noir a little bit. Mm. But um, we give you our winner, our Batman trivia winner, right? Um, We're going to talk a little bit about Shore Leaving Farpoint because we have some updates. And we obviously just mentioned Farpoint a moment ago. If you think Nimoy is retired... Think again. Hmm. Supernatural cop pilot from Rondi Moore. Anything with Rondi Moore attached to it, I'm excited about, Miles. There's going to be something good or interesting. Yeah, well, 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 Virtuosity didn't quite hit, but uh, he he's doesn't... he's allowed to have a, 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 a few sticker. misses. Yeah. Hey, yeah, a few misses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Adama has been cast, and that's, of course, in reference to Blood and Chrome, so we're excited about that. Sci-Fi Snags, the Mercury Men web series. I don't know if you watched this trailer, Miles, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. We might have to watch it. If you didn't watch it, we might have to watch it now. So we'll do it. But um, we have a new Superman. That's kind of old news, but we'll mention it here. Battle for L.A., Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have actually a listener that mentions this in the listener feedback episode. Ender's Game has been scripted, which is kind of cool. And what is this And Heron Reduz is talking about? Reduz is one of our listeners sending this uh, um, Bollywood sci-fi flick. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. We'll give you the release dates for Avatar 2 and 3. We have a little bit of Leviathan Chronicle news because I talked to Chris. Um, Christoph, I guess, this past week or two weeks ago. Lucas's Leia hologram is now reality, which is kind of cool. We have, of course, a little bit about All-Star Superman. This comes from you, Miles. And the Human Torch. Well, if you didn't see it in the New York Times, the Human Torch dies. Hmm. And that's a pretty big thing for the, uh, what, Fantastic Four, right? Yes, yes. So pretty big thing for that. And um, this week in Star Trek, Shatner sings Black Sabbath. I think we have another story in there, right? Somewhere yes. we have mm-hmm. another one in there. And the Sci-Fi 5 and 5 comes from Colin in England, our good listener, Colin England, about his favorite sci-fi ships. So that is all very cool. Well, Miles, why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about the uh, the trivia question that we have that they had to answer. We had a couple people actually call in for this. Well, uh, we we interviewed uh, Rob Greenberg a couple weeks ago, and this is what he he came up with. And uh, and the prize is awesome. Um, which villains were original in the 1966 Batman TV series? Right. He listed about four there, right? He did. Mm-hmm. Well, now, what was the prize? Before we give the answer, what was the prize he could have won if the answer did? Uh, he authored the Essential Batman Encyclopedia, and he is going to donate a, a copy, uh, an, an autographed copy, to uh, the winner of that question. Right. And, um, and, they, and, you know, which ones were original? And there was only one, I believe, that was mm-hmm. original in the series, and that was? King Tut. It was King Tut. Mm-hmm. And our winner is Don Bender. Don Bender. Don Bender did. He actually answered it. Mm-hmm. So I was on Skype with him. I said, you got to check out the podcast. So he checked it out. He goes, oh, I know this easy. He gave it to me. I was like, okay, you're in the drawing. Well, so yeah. we had a thanks for everyone who played. We only had a few people that rose to the challenge that knew the Batman trivia. And we'll be bringing you some new trivia next week. Okay. So Don will be uh, sending that to you. You can put it on your shelf with all your theological books. <laughs> so 
<laughs> and we do have a good trivia question for the next week. Do you see that one there sitting there, Miles? Oh, I do. Oh, I do. That's going to be good. So. Can't wait till we do the post right. one. Well, uh, before we get into the actual show where we actually play, uh, where we actually talk about a lot of our news, we want to play a promo tonight. And this is a promo for the top genre countdown with Tuning in Sci-Fi podcast, Tuning in Sci-Fi TV podcast. What they're doing is they're counting down the top 100 genre shows. Mm. And I believe they're up to like show 60, maybe into the 50s now, and they're mm. doing it in 10 you know, ten um, movie or 10 show increments. And uh, so they're about halfway th- uh, through. And if you haven't checked this out, you got to check it out. But here's a promo for that. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Sarah Jane Smith. How do you do, Miss Smith? You're the Slayer and... We're like the Slayerettes. Gentlemen, I suggest you beam me aboard. Chevron 7 locked. My car, I can't hold it. She's breaking up. She's breaking up. You are the one who was. By your command. Oh, boy. Tell me dead. Bite my shiny metal ass. Because you are the true seeker. If someone ever tries to kill you, you try to kill him right back. <laughs> I am not a number. I am a free man. Michael, I thought I'd never see you again. Missed it by that much. Then try to tell yourself, wherever you may be, it couldn't happen here. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to the top 100 genre television shows of all time, as voted by you, the fans. Check out the countdown at tuningintosci-fi-tv.com. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Dino Podcast. Well, this is our main course. We're going to serve up everything that's on our menu tonight. So if you if you aren't if you aren't stuffed now you will be by the end. Oh my gosh, yes, you'll need a nap after this. You will definitely need a nap after. This. Hopefully a nap, not a nap during it. That's what we are. Well, right, right, right. We really we love for you to listen to us or at least skip to the news that you care about. We're going to start off with a little bit of con news, and this is probably more relevant to people on the East Coast and the little people that are you know closer to our area, I guess, mm-hmm. which is Pennsylvania, Maryland, that whole thing. We have some con news, and this is con news regarding Farpoint and Shorely, right? And now. So far points when it's coming up the 18th, 19th and 20th, I believe is the actual dates of that. Mm-hmm. And um, we did talk about some of the guests that are there and the guest list hasn't changed, but our guests that are coming there are who again? Uh, Tamal Pennicott. Good. And uh, uh, Lauren um, Holden. Holden. Yep. And, and uh, she's from Walking Dead, by the way. So right. we're, we're hoping to bring you an interview with her. Right. And uh, Benita uh, uh, Friedesi, I think that's how her name was pronounced. Yeah. And she's uh, from Chuck. She's General D- Diana Beckman in mm-hmm. Chuck. And I want to say this up front, that if you have questions, any of you listeners out there have questions for any of these guests. Right. Let us know. We have two weeks, two or three weeks before the, before the con, and we will ask them your questions if you can't be there. Well, we have in the past. Uh, and we, we have. We've incorporated mm-hmm. him, and uh, mm-hmm. it's just a great way to do it. So, again, Battlestar Galactica's Hilo, and he was also on Dollhouse. Right. And, um, and then Walking Dead's and- Andrea, and then Chuck's General Diane Beckman. So, any of those you want to ask questions of. And we did get a little bit of an update with, um, with Shore Leave. Yes. And so did. that's kind of cool. Very cool. And, uh, 
And that update is, uh, well, who's going to be at Shoreleaf? We haven't really talked about this. We have a nice cast list for and this is only beginning, I know, but go ahead. Well, we know that um, John Delancey, Q himself, is going to be there. Oh, man. And I just finished. You heard the music. At the, I played that quote from Q at the very beginning of the show. Right. I love I just finished Next Gen. We're going to talk about this a little bit more oh, in cool. our feedback show, but mm-hmm. I love this series. He he always had some great lines and, and great dialogue. Great. Just mm-hmm. great. And they just framed that really well. So I'm mm-hmm. glad he's there. Who else is going to be there? Um, let's see. The um, Sally Kellerman, uh, she, she was um, the second pilot of uh, the original series Star Trek and also was the original uh, Hot Lips Houlihan on the uh, MASH movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Christopher Judge. Everyone's uh, from SG-1 and also Andromeda's Hector. Mm-hmm. So Christopher Judge, a good Stargate fans love that. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know if he'll make it in Stargate Universe. I, I've heard there's some alumni coming into that, but we still have a half season to go yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever that comes back, we don't mm-hmm. have any, we don't know when that's coming back. Do we? I haven't heard anything, and I'm hoping to hear something soon. Yeah, I hope they don't pull what they did with the Caprica, like air them all on the same day. That, that was, was stupid. yeah, they they really did not. Sci-fi, please don't do that again. Yeah, we'll, we'll get. You know, I'm yeah. not gonna get on my uh, soapbox no, about that one. No, no. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Eddie. Eddie's gonna be there. Eddie McClintock. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. From Warehouse 13, Pete Latimer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about this other one. Oh, man, Cliff Simon. You may not know him. You didn't watch Stargate SG-1, but he was Bale, a Bale, Bale. Mm. I forget how he pronounced his name in Stargate, but phenomenal. He was a um, gold. Mm. I loved it. So Great. if you're a Stargate fan, this is going to be your convention. Oh, there's at least two there, a Trek fan, or mm. if you like Warehouse 13. If you Again, if you want to ask these people any questions, just let us know. I mean, this right. convention is far out. We're looking, we're talking July here. Yeah, so we got some time. We got some time, and these mm. guests could change. Many times guests kind of drop and add. We hope none of these change. Yeah, everything's subject to change. Yep, it's always subject to uh, many, many, many things. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, enough with con news. Okay, here's our first bit of news. Let's move into some TV news. Mm-hmm. And this first piece is not, uh, if you've been on our Facebook fan page, you already know this, but Leonard Nimoy has revealed that he's not really retired after all. No surprise there. He's, no. There's a lot of stars that have done it. Um, William, William Bell is going to return to Fringe. Or at least that's the discussion at this point. Um, even though Star Trek veteran has claimed that he was retiring from acting after playing Vulcan Ambassador and the Massive Dynamics founder for J.J. Abrams, it seems like the lore of sci-fi is just too hard for the septuagenarian, how do you say that? Septuagenarian to resist. Taking Twitter as Nimoy, take, taking to Twitter as Nimoy is wont to do. He lets slip that his time at his universe-hopping genius might not be over. Plans are developing for William Bell to return to Fringe. Stay tuned. Live long and prosper. And that's from his Twitter. So that's kind of cool. We loved him in Fringe. Yeah, oh, he, he the William Bell character was a very interesting character, and I just had a feeling he would. He just, I, I from what he, everything he said of his experience being on, on Fringe, I thought they could probably uh, convince him to come back. They began to mention him again in this week's Fringe. They did. They did. They kind of said, you know, hey, you know, he's searching for the first people. Mm-hmm. Uh, minor spoiler. They dropping his name people. a lot. Yeah. So, so that's uh, that seems to hint that he's not totally gone. And I did want to mention this. A fringe network had contacted us and said, you know, we'd love if we could pimp, pimp us on this podcast. We would love to pimp you on a podcast. They have the fringe network. They, mm-hmm. deal with, uh, they deal with a lot of shows that are all fringe. Okay. So, so if you didn't check it out, check them out at thefringenetwork.com is their site. So since that's fringe nodes, I figure it would work. Did I say fringe nodes? Fringe news. Go ahead. Give us the next story before I stumble over what I'm saying. Well, we got some Ron D. Moore uh, news. Uh, NBC orders a supernatural cop pilot from Ron Moore. Uh, 
I, f- I found this on Trek Movie. Um, veteran Star Trek uh, writer, producer, and Battlestar Galactica reimagined. Ron Moore may be headed to network TV with a new genre show. NBC has announced they uh, have picked up a pilot order for Precinct 17, a supernatural police drama written and produced by Moore. Um, According to Daily Variety, NBC is giving a pilot order to Precinct 17, a supernatural-themed police drama written and executive produced by Next Gen and Deep Space Nine vet Ron Moore. The Sony Pictures project is described as an ensemble drama in the Hill Street Blues vein, albeit set in a town of Excelsior where magic and supernatural elements rule over science. Moore also has a, a Coast Guard drama titled uh, The McCullough in development at NBC and a reboot of Wild Wild West CBS. So there may be coming uh, from more this pilot season. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a bunch of ideas on the play. I tell you what, though, this sounds a little bit like Eureka. It cops, it, yeah, uh, cops and supernatural setting. Now that's more scientific, mm-hmm. but uh, still sounds a little bit like that. But exactly. uh, you know, it's Rodney Moore, so we don't know. We don't have any other things other than this news story. Yes, to yeah, go on. Mm-hmm. Wow, when I hear Wow Wow West, I get chills. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I I did like chills in a bad way because I get I just hear I just remember what they did with uh, Will Smith's Wild Wild West rendition. Oh, that's horrible! Yeah, yeah. So like I when I hear it, I'm like not real keen on it. But again, this is Ron D. Moore, and I he th- reimagined Battlestar Galactica into a better version, and mm-hmm. so this is quite possible. And I don't know anything about McCulloch. McCulloch, I guess that's news to me also. Yeah. So and maybe those aren't even in the sci-fi vein. We'll see. Well, Battlestar Galactica's Blood and Chrome cast a key role. We have Young Andama, now cast. He has been reborn. The iconic commander of Battlestar Galactica fleet, who was played by Edward James Olmos, who we interviewed a few episodes back, actually quite a few episodes back, in a sci-fi series under the same name, will be played by the upcoming Blood and Chrome prequel by Luke uh, Pasqualino from the UK version of Skins, according to EW. Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome is a backdoor pilot for a possible Young Adama series. Chronicles the character's entry into the ongoing Silent War. Husker Adama is itching to get into the fight, but in Blood and Chrome, he'll be paired with uh, Coker, an officer who served on the front lines and wants nothing more than to be done with the fighting. Coker will be played by Ben Cotton, EW reports. As I reported in this October story about Blood and Chrome, the pilot, which was written by BSG writer Michael Taylor, which is kind of cool that he's written it, will go into production this year, but it's not clear when it will air, if it will air in 2011 or in early 2012. We're hoping 2011. Yeah, I don't want to wait that yeah. long. But there's very much of an action-adventure war series, which is kind of cool. That means we're going to have lots of space Back in um, space, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I guess the other thing is maybe, I guess the worry about that is maybe it'll just be a lot of action and not a lot of depth. Because Battlestar Galactica is known for its depth. Even Caprica. Yeah, I think, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that I think this will stay in the veins of what the what the, what the Battlestar Galactica TV series was like. I mean, a good yeah. balance between, uh, you know, battle scenes and also uh, just um, good good, uh, good character-driven uh, uh, storylines. Yeah. Um, oh, just to say this, uh, that he, he, he said, this is definitely dealing with people who are in a fight. This is from Mark Stern. As you hope Battlestar would do, it's kind of comments on that process a little bit, but not in a preachy way. It is not as issues oriented way, not in hitting you over the head way. Really the fabric and canvas of the series are people in the fight and what they grapple with when it comes to each other and what they grapple with when it comes to the enemy they're fighting. So it could be that way. Um, by the way, for those of you who don't know who uh, Ben Cotton is, he's from Hellcat and he's from Reese. So he was in both of those. And those are, again, we liked, we interviewed the people from Reese as well. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Mercury Men, the web series? Okay, Sci-Fi takes Mercury Men, the web series, uh, Shades of Sanctuary and Reese, the home of a Eureka and Warehouse 13. Sci-Fi has ordered a new 10-part sci-fi series called The Mercury Men, uh, according to MediaBistro.com. It's a modern web series that harkens back to Flash Gordon Buck Rogers. Craig uh, Engler, uh, senior VP of uh, Sci-Fi Digital, said, It is black and white. There's a ray gun. There's a brain in a jar, and you don't see brains in jars anymore. Unfortunately. No, that's too bad. But, uh, unless it's fringe. Yeah. Uh, just just what is Mercury Men? It's a web series from uh, Christopher uh, Prexta, who also created the streamy-winning web series uh, Captain Blasto. Each episode lasts around seven minutes. Sci-fi has successfully experienced it in the past moving web programming into the network. For instance, Reese Kingdom Falling has racked up over 1.3 million v- views since it launched at the end of October. The first thing we learned from Reese is that the online stuff works, Engler said. Uh, web series are getting much better. The production quality is fantastic. If you look at Reese, it is amazing. If you look at Mercury Men, it is amazing in an entirely different way. Although no premiere date has yet been chosen, the network is currently looking at which of its current television programs will work well with the Mercury Men. By tying the launch of a web series to a TV event, like a season premiere or a finale, sci-fi can market the program to millions of already engaged viewers, the site reports. The obvious pairing for it would, would probably be Eureka, Angler said. It has a very big retro feel to it. It's a lot of uh, retro futurism, which is the, what Mercury Man is really all about. Check out a clip from the web series below. Yeah, and we'll bed that in the show notes. And if you don't get a chance to check it, it really does harken back into some of the older sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I just saw that Reese... There has yeah. a premiere April 9th on TV. <coughs> oh. On TV, so you'll be able to see it on TV then in its entirety. So they're going to take what the web series, what they what they did at the web series, then put that on TV? I'm assuming so. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's being redone yet, but they'll probably see how it's received in TV and then go from there. Okay. But it sounds like it's done real well for them. Yeah, it has. And yeah. uh, obviously Sanctuary started out as a web series mm-hmm. and now going on its fourth season. You just got hooked up with its fourth season, so right. that's kind of cool. And uh, we hope the same for Reese that actually gets a series out of it. And Mercury Men, this might be a new start to a new mm-hmm. genre here. So our new uh, new uh, show that we're working on. Mm-hmm. Check out the trailer. It looks pretty awesome, Miles. I, I will. you got to check it out. So it is really good. It's kind of kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Well, into movie news, we'll briefly mention this since this was all over the news this past week. But mm-hmm. Henry Cavill is the new Superman. Is I'm pronouncing the last name right? I think so. so one so. by one, American superheroes are being co-opted by the Brits. Deadline reports that actor Henry Cavill, perhaps best known for playing Charles Branton in Showtime's The Tudors, had landed the dream gig of playing Clark Kent, Superman as Warner Brothers and Legendary's Pictures' upcoming reboot of the franchise. Uh, director Zack Snyder has this to say in the choice. In the pantheon of superheroes, Superman is the most recognized and revered character of all time. I'm honored to be part of this return to the big screen. I also join Warner Brothers Legendary and the producers in saying how excited we are about casting of Henry. He's a perfect choice to don the cape and the S-Shield. Now, take a look at him, Miles. Mm-hmm. He does not look like Superman to me. No, I, I'm maybe probably- you know what, but maybe it's a hair, maybe it's a, the little beard he has going on. What what would he look clean shaven? I do know. The last guy they had as Superman looked an awful likely Christopher Reeves. Yes, there was a there was a stronger resemblance. And so maybe they aren't going to go that vain. Well, I mean, you, the guy has blue eyes. You know, you figure if his if he doesn't contacts can fix that. Yeah, and his hair's darkened. You know, he could probably you know what what, what we think of as what Superman looks like. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. I think it's set to come out in uh, November, uh, Christmas of 2012. Okay. So we have some time, and this story will obviously develop over time here. 
Well, you put this story in. Tell us about Battle Los Angeles. Well, I saw this trailer just recently. Uh, it's um, it, Battle Los Angeles. Its release date is uh, March 11th of uh, 2011, so not that long. Uh, a plot summary for years, there have been documented cases of uh, UFO sightings around the world. Uh, Buenos Aires, uh, Seoul. Uh, France, uh, Germany, China, but in um, 2011, what we were once just uh, sightings will become a terrifying reality when Earth is attacked by unknown forces. As people everywhere watch the world's great cities fall, uh, Los Angeles becomes a last stand for mankind in a battle no one expected. It's up to Marine Staff Sergeant Aaron Eckhart and his new platoon to draw a line in the sand as they take on an enemy unlike any they've ever encountered before. Aaron Eckhart, Two-Face, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I like him as an actor. Mm-hmm. Don't know much about this movie. What do you think of the trailer? The trailer, honestly, it kind of reminded me of um, a little bit of Skyline. A little uh, bit. Yeah. One of our listeners, wait till you get to our listener feedback show. One of our listeners called in and said the same exact thing. I mean, a little bit leery about that. Yeah, and for I mean, you saw lots of things being destroyed. You saw, you know, um, you know, obviously human weaponry like tanks and planes and stuff you only saw very brief images of anything alien and that, yeah. you know you couldn't really right so that so, kind of worries you a little bit we do have a Battlestar alumni in there Michelle Rodriguez was in uh, Battlestar oh. yeah so wasn't she the uh, cat in I believe I believe so yeah cat in Battlestar she was in Lost and uh, in Machete which I never watched but mm-hmm. Uh, which is on my Netflix queue because it's one of those brainless movies that I just want to watch because they look like fun. <laughs> it you know, looks like a fun movie. Yeah, shoot them up, kill them, but not not a lot of plot. I like Danny Jerk Trejo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and this next piece of news, Star Trek writers and Wolverine director pen a script for Ender's Game. I'm excited about this. Ender's Game, of course, is a classic novel written by Orson Scott Card. Um, this movie has been in the development for years. I bet 10 years ago I was hearing rumors of this movie. Mm-hmm. So, but this is the first time that we have definites penning a script, and that's kind of cool. And the fact that there's Star Trek writers and Wolverine directors tied to it is kind of cool. They got some good people behind yeah. it. Yeah, we know. And here's a story: we know Wolverine Origins director Gavin uh, Gavin Hood was attached to the big green screen adaptation of Orson Scott Card's Ender's Game. But now that word that Star Trek and Fringe scribes Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi are shopping the script around Hollywood. On Friday, Kurtzman tweeted, Ender's Game, us, KO, Odlet, and Gavin Hood taking his amazing script to town. Who wants some? An Ender's Game film has been in development for a while now. Wolf, Wolfgang Peterson was attached to the project at one point, but having the writing team behind Transformers and J.J. Abrams' Star Trek on board will likely assuage any worries that the film version of Card's award-winning novel won't be marketable. Hmm. So there's some big names attached they to this too. Group. And uh, you see these names hop up all over the place. I'm excited about this. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know anything about Ender's Game at all, but um, I'm you, intrigued. You have to read it. You, you can't call yourself a sci-fi fan if you haven't read it. Well, I wouldn't go quite that far. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, if you disagree with me, if those of you listening, you can uh, you can tell us on our feedback show. But I think Miles should read it. We should vote. Miles should read it. You can download it <laughs> for your Kindle. Okay. Put it on your Kindle. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, th- <clears throat> this next story comes from Radu's. Do you want to shoot sure. a little bit? Uh, yes. Yeah, so he um, sent us uh, a link for this trailer. Um, the only sci-fi movie you'll ever need to watch for the rest of your life. I was exhausted by the third minute. And uh, he's just talking about the trailer. Uh, let me share something special with you. This is Antaran, a Bollywood action flick. It's like Terminator, The Matrix, and Transformers combined, but better. Or as... Uh, 
I'm assuming that this is Jesus summarized an orgy of absurdity that not even Michael Bay can match. It's definitely absurd, more absurd than it looked in the trailer, which was already pretty absurd. And for some reason, this compilation clip is dubbed in Russian, but I guess I wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, update. A reiteration with two important facts. Um, Robot is, in fact, a, a Hollywood movie, uh, Tamil, whereas Bollywood is Hindi. And number two is the most expensive Indian movie ever made. Uh, well, of course it was. Um, so and, uh, you, can, you can watch on YouTube. We'll put a clip in there. If you yeah. haven't seen it, it is kind of absurd. I, 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 you know, I was exhausted after, the, after one minute. After one minute, Did I just, you watch it a little bit? <laughs> I, I watched a little and I said, this is crazy. It is. It's like, it, was, it looks kind of, I mean, it looks kind of cool, but. <sighs> I'm, I'm a little, you know. With, I mean, I mean, I love what, what, what today's technology can do for movies, but I just wonder if it just goes too much with the whole sensory overload. This one does. This movie, I think. Oh, does. I, I, I agree. what little I've seen, I agree. Or it is we uh, we we agree with you. Just well, we agree with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Ready for Avatar two and three? James Cameron has announced release dates, so that's kind of cool. We're, we have release dates now for him, so we liked Avatar. Mm-hmm. If you've been paying attention, you know that James Cameron has been talking up the return of the world to the world of Pandora for two Avatar, 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 Avatar sequels since almost, almost since the day the original premiered. But what we don't know is when until today. You'll have a few more years to wait for the Navi trilogy, though. Cameron says, although two sequels will be filmed together, the release dates aren't until Christmas 2014 and Christmas 2015. Cameron has kept the plot close to his chest. However, he told EW that some characters will be returning. Basically, if you survive the first film, you get into the second film, at least in some form. EW reports, one thing's for sure, some percentage of the presumably massive Avatar sequel gross will go to charity. Fox has partnered with me to donate a chunk of the profits to the environmental causes that are at the heart of the Avatar world, says director. I didn't want to make more Avatar movies without a grander plan in place. Now that the Navi have have repelled the human invaders, and Jake has become the chief of the Omatakaya clan, what do you think is in store for our heroes in the upcoming movie? Hmm. Maybe to go to the ocean. They could go to the ocean next. The Navi Ocean. Well, I wonder if there's other tribes on the planet, too. Oh, maybe they go to war with other tribes. Um, and maybe explore... I mean, what they didn't do in the movie... They did to, to some extent, but but what they could have done more is explore the world. I mean, th- th- there's... We got a very limited perspective right. on the world. Just that one area and, uh, and mm-hmm. the military combat. But there's a whole other world. Right. Home of the World. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I enjoyed the movie. I'll go back and see it. Yeah, yep. I own it. I own the Blu-ray. I, I got like it for it. I got it for Christmas myself. Yeah, good. Did you watch it? I haven't watched it yet. No. Yeah, I watched part of it. And then but the I, kids came and interrupted me. But oh, okay, it happens. All right. Well, um, we have all-star Superman trailer hints at a different take on mm-hmm. the story. This should be your story, Miles. Why don't you go ahead and take it since you all put right. it in here? Well, um, listeners know I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, what the. Uh, what DC Comics is animated movies they put out the last uh, few years, um, the, and um, there's a trailer for a DC Universe animated All Star Superman. In case it'll be something of a departure from the from the Grant Morrison and Frank uh, Quitley's award winning comic series. Uh, we brought you a first look at DC Universe's next upcoming animated series, All-Star Superman, based on the award-winning series from writer Grant Morrison, artist uh, Frank Quilly. Uh, today, courtesy of MTV, we have the first trailer for the All-Star Superman. And my initial impression is that we're going to get an animated feature that honors the themes of Morrison Quilly's series while simultaneously taking some creative liberties for the sake of the animated feature format. Uh, so, um, yeah. I... Uh, 
I, I saw the trailer. I thought the trailer looked uh, looked pretty good. Um, like a lot of what they're doing now, they're ba- they're basing it on past comic series, and they really are. They, they have a really um, uh, all star lineup as far as uh, the voice uh, talents. Uh, uh, James Denton from Desperate Housewives, I believe he's doing the, the voice for Superman and Clark Kent. Uh, Christina Hendricks uh, from Mad Men, also on Firefly. Uh, she's voicing Lois Lane. Uh, Anthony LaPaglia, uh, 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 he's voicing Superman. Uh, so um, they have uh, others there as well. But um, this should be out and available for Blu-ray and DVD sometime in spring 2011. Yeah, so uh, very cool. Now, how does, it, how does the trailer look in comparisons to The Black Adam? Um, the animation itself looks very similar, um, but... I'll just give a very brief synopsis. Um, I'm not. I'm not giving away any spoilers. But um, basically, it, in this um, in, in this story, uh, Lex Luthor somehow tricks Superman going to the sun, and get, you know, you, the the sun is what what helps give Superman his strength. Well, he gets too exposed to it, and he's dying, and um, his cells are breaking down. So he he's trying to accomplish, you know. Yeah, he he has set some goals for himself before he passes on. Yeah, so very cool, uh, mm-hmm. very cool. Well, we look forward to that. I haven't I haven't got a chance to catch up on any of this animation, but maybe sometime I will. Mm-hmm. Sometime we're currently going through Voltron and Netflix. Oh, I remember Voltron. I like Voltron. Voltron. My son likes Voltron. That's so. cool. You're getting him into these uh, older uh, uh, cartoons. Well, they seem to be pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Someone pointed out on Facebook that one of the robots has missiles coming out her boobs, but other than that. <laughs> <laughs> my seven-year-old won't pick. My, my three-year-old won't pick up on that. Right. So, um, well, we have some news about Leviathan Chronicles, and this comes from Christoph himself. He says this: We're planning on releasing about five more special edition episodes. So they have two so far. Mm-hmm. Mer Lafferty is on board to write two of them before we start season two. I'll keeping the loop with all developments. Because I mentioned I want to have him on the show at the beginning of season two, and he's all for that. Oh, very good. So don't know when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That could happen in the fall. I'm guessing the way it's going is probably going to be a fall release. Yeah, I would, that would assume so. Yeah, so we have a little bit, but we have some special edition episodes to tie us over and some soapbox episodes. So mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to the Leviathan Chronicles, what are you waiting for? Oh my gosh! This is the one, the one of the best. One of the best audio dramas, free audio dramas. You can you can uh, be treating yourself to. Yeah. Well, why don't you give us at least part of the story here? Well, this is pretty cool. Uh, um, remember the holographic technology that was used in uh, the first Star Wars movie. When I say the first Star Wars movie, I'm talking about uh, what is now known as uh, Episode Four. Yeah, the original. Yes, the, the original originals. Uh, well, it looks like that that is going to be a reality. Um. So while George Lucas is creating a bazillion different special editions, scientists have gone ahead and done something truly special by making an important Star Trek, a Star Wars moment, sorry, uh, real. So specifically that the holographic projections, Princess Leia that uttered the famous line, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Uh, Michael uh, Bove of uh, MIT Media Lab uh, hacked the camera sensors from a, a connect gesture recognition system and drafted a graduate student dressed up as Princess Leia to spout the familiar plea, as reported new scientists. Um, Bose group started with an array of 16 low-resolution infrared cameras 
Spaced evenly along a metro line, a long line, computer processing combines the images to generate the data needed for a 3D holographic projector at the rate of 15 frames per second. The next step came in late December when the, they bought their first uh, Kinect and, uh, and hacked the camera system made by uh, Prime Sense of Israel, which records three-dimensional profiles by projecting a grid of laser light onto a scene. The approach called Structured Light yields resolution of 640 by 8. 480 pixels, three times higher than each infrared camera. That was good enough to record the holographic Princess Leia scene shown here. And we'll have that embedded in the show. And it's, it is kind of, did you watch this at all? I am not. It is, it's fuzzy, but yeah, mm-hmm. I want to go rescue her. <laughs> Come on, it's Carrie Fisher. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, who doesn't want to rescue Carrie Fisher? Well, maybe not now, but back in Star Wars. 30 years ago, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely got to mm-hmm. be there. But check it out. It's kind of cool that this is actually becoming a reality. Not practical. It sounds pretty developed and complex, yeah. but, but you, you see you see some of this. This is where you see science fiction becoming science fact. I can see five cool. or ten years from now. That- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a story that must interest you a little bit when sure. this came through the news. Tell me about it, Miles. I guess this is my story. Is this my story? I'll read it. Wow. Um, Fantastic Four, we have a death in that, and that's a human torch, one of Marvel's first superheroes. Are you a Marvel fan? Are you more a DC fan? I'm more of a DC fan, but yeah. I do enjoy Marvel. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, here's what it said. Um, Marvel Comics has snuffed out the Fantastic Four human torch in the most shocking death to hit the comic books industry since, well, the publisher knocked off Captain America four years ago. The firing Johnny Storm goes out in a blaze of glory, saving his young niece and nephew from an army of insect creatures in the Fantastic Four 587 in stores on Wednesday. So that's probably out by now. Or maybe it's out tomorrow. In the end of the era, dating back to November of 1961, when writer Stan Lee and artist Jack Kirby first launched the Fantastic Four and changed the medium as the first real superheroes to have the same character flaws as the readers. Um, the fiery and immature Johnny, played by Chris Evans in two movies and voiced by Bill Murray in the 70s radio series, always seemed... I didn't know that Bill Murray voiced him. I That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, always seemed to leap before he looked. Fans have nervously awaited this issue several months as Marvel publicized that one of the team, which included the Torch's sister, an aptly named Invisible Woman, and her husband, an elastic scientist, Mr. Fantastic, and the human rock pile, The Thing, would make it past this issue. Um, Jonathan Hickman, the current writer of the series, says it wasn't easy to extinguish the comic book legend. Mm. What do you think about them eliminating the torch? Good idea, bad idea? Um, well, it'll do a couple things. I mean, it'll you know, it'll create some good drama in the storytelling, and also maybe uh, increase comic book sales. I would think um, killing off a character is usually good to uh, kind of jumpstart the. Um, the uh, series, if you will, in a way. Yeah, and everyone's going to go back and start collecting the old issues and mm-hmm. everything like that. So, and who knows? They can always bring it back. Well, sure. This is a comic book series. I mean, in the movie series, he doesn't have to die yet. I mean, so. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I don't know. I don't. He wasn't my favorite one. He wasn't my favorite character. Right. I was never really a huge Fantastic Four. I mean, I enjoyed the movies, but as far as as, as far as my Marvel superhero. So uh, that I liked, uh, they, they were not necessarily my favorite. And he was cocky. He they was. Need, a, they need to knock him off. He was kind of a jerk. I mean, yeah, if you I think gonna, about I was going to say prick, but you probably said it a little bit nicer. Oh, okay, jerk, so uh, that works. Yeah. Eh, so I good riddance. Mm-hmm. You know, good burn. <laughs> but <laughs> I was going to say good burn in hell, but that's kind of drastic, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so just go burn, burn up. But all right. Well, Miles, why don't you take us into the twist before I get myself in trouble? Okay. Well, this week in Star Trek, uh, we have some William Shatner news. And uh, 
some of you know William Shatner has taken, you know, um, some of his projects, uh, singing projects, if, if you will. Um, if you can call him that. If you can call him singing, but it's William Shatner and it's still fun and entertaining. Um, at this point in human civilization, Shatner needs to become a verb. What does it mean to Shatner a thing? Until the brainiacs on the OED can come up with something better, how about the process by which one transform a pre-existing cultural artifact and thus make it at one retro yet infused with hipster sensibility that is ready, that is trendy to the unique uh, picosecond to which it is transformed. Uh, Priceline commercials, lounge lizard takes on Elton John's Rocket Man, cop dramas in the form of uh, T.J. Hooker, lawyer dramas, even Twitter feeds have been uh, shattered is a Sipcon uh, bleep, my dad says. Now Shatner is working with the uh, Shredmeister guitar god uh, Zach Wilde, formerly Axeman for Ozzy and Black Label Society, on a new album. It's come out later this year called uh, Seeking Major Tom, a collection of rock covers for which the former Captain Kirk will be doing vocals. Which rock standards? Well, according to the guys at uh, Fearnet, one of the songs will be Black Sabbath's uh, Iron Man. Another will be Queen's of Bohemian Rhapsody. We can only assume that given the album's title in the outer space defined career of Shatner, uh, David Bowie's a Space Oddity and Ashes to Ashes, might be candidates for uh, Shatnering too. Check out the video below for footage of, of laying down tracks for Shatner's version of Iron Man. Not since uh, Quebec's greatest son gave voice to the uh, uh, absinthe-soaked spleen of uh, Charles uh, Baudelaire on the 1968 album The Transformed Man have uh, frail organs of human hearing been faced with such an awesome prospect of uh, Shatner-esque uh, magnificence. It's a little bit of there's a little bit of a sarcasticness in that, I think. No, you think <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. I like the way they say to Shatner something though, right? Uh, because he does, he does Shatner something. He takes something and makes it his own. I mean, it does, and whether for better mm-hmm. or worse, right? That's kind of cool, so I, I won't buy it, probably. Pro- no, I probably won't either. I'll catch it on YouTube or something. Tell us about Anton Yelkin. <coughs> well, well, excuse me, Anton Yelkin, um, he played uh, Chekhov in the new Star Trek movie. Um, th- these are his thoughts about uh, Abram directing or not directing the Star Trek sequel. Uh, basically, he says it would be bizarre for Abrams to not direct the Star Trek sequel, plus uh, Bob Borsi solicits and Steven Bergberg to help uh, convince uh, Abrams. Um, uh, as previously reported, uh, producer J.J. Abrams is waiting a script for the t- 2012 uh, Star Trek sequel before deciding if he'll also direct the film. However, that isn't uh, stopping others involved from weighing in. Uh, Star Trek's uh, new checkoff, Anton Yelchin, says it would be bizarre without Abrams in the director's chair. And co-writer uh, Robert Ortsy says he is trying to solicit uh, uh, Spielberg to help convince Abrams. Um, Yelkin doesn't know anything about the Trek sequel, but wants Abrams back. Speaking to MTV at the Sundance Film Festival, Anton Yelkin says, I really don't know anything about the new Star Trek movie, which will start shooting this summer, but uh, Yelkin is sure he would like to see Abrams return to the director's chair. The actor notes would be very, uh, very bizarre to do without him. It would. Yeah, I can't imagine. I did hear rumors that he might not. There was a rumor that he wouldn't be around, he wouldn't be doing the, mm-hmm. the next Star Trek, but it would be stupid. It's, I mean, my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying there couldn't be anybody else who couldn't do it and do a good job with it, but I just, Abrams did such a phenomenal job with it. I mean, where would all the lens flare be? I mean, I couldn't (laughs) watch Star Trek without more lens flare. Right, and other, the the homages to his uh, past uh, uh, TV projects. Oh, yeah, come on. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, where's, you know, Greg Grunberg? 
Mm-hmm. You know, right. I, 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 you know, I need these people. Or, or somehow few, the lost references. Or the lost, yeah, or R2-D2 in the debris. I want to see this in the upcoming movies. So Come on. Abrams needs to direct the next one. He does. It, it comes out. Let us know. If you're listening to this, let us know what you think about Abrams directing or not directing the next episode of Star Trek. The next mm-hmm. episode. I say it's an episode, but it's really a movie. Yes. But we need to uh, let us know, and we'll talk about it, I guess, in our listener feedback show next week. Cool. Well, that's it for this week. This week is Star Trek, right? It is. Oh wait. Oh, we do have one more thing we okay. want to talk about. Um, our friend Chris Wood. Oh, yeah, uh, you mentioned this. Yes. Yeah, so we're just. Um, uh, he is uh, taking the cause of uh, helping somebody out. Um, I would encourage our readers to go to uh, Sosbys Communicate. Um, that's Chris Wood's website. Um, he is uh, calling all Star Trek fans. Uh, uh, let's rally for a great cause. If you are a fan of Star Trek, uh, then chances are you've seen uh, Trekkies and Trekkies 2. Now, despite your personal thoughts about the movies, I'm sure we can all agree that the fans they feature on these films are some of the most devoted and heartfelt fans uh, uh, Trek has. One featured fan in particular, uh, Daryl uh, Frazetti, has become a good friend of ours at uh, Subspace Communicate. You probably remember uh, Daryl from... Well, Trekkies and Trekkies too, as they put, as the guy dressed uh, cats in costumes. He often reminisces about uh, that time in his life and laughs that his uh, naive younger self thought that there'd be a great way to pick up chicks. Although we aren't sure of the number of dates that costume cats procured for our friend, we are sure that the bit of uh, notoriety got him noticed, and the uh, educational community allowed him to begin uh, teaching courses part time uh, related to the anthropology of Star Trek, among others. He's even writing a book about the subject. That'll be released in the near future. Heck, if you read our site, you may even be part of the future book if you want to survey what he is uh, um, running several months back. Um, but uh, the reason why I'm, I'm bringing attention to this, uh, he uh, he has some kind of serious illness, and uh, uh, Chris uh, wants to bring bring attention to help him out. Um, uh, Daryl has a spondylothoracic. Thesis, it's a condition which uh, bone... Say that five times really fast. Oh, if I, if I do, I might say something I shouldn't. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a lower part of the spine slips forward onto a bone below. That sounds very painful. Yeah, that doesn't sound joyful uh, at all. No. Um, now, so, is there a way they can help him out? If they go to Subspace Communicate, does he have links to help him out or ways to donate there? Um, I, yeah, down he, there I see a donate button. Yeah, right. so he, he does have a donate button on, on the site. So, so if you want to know more about this man and more about how you can help him out, you can visit our good friend Chris Wood, who's been on the show a couple times we've had him on. Right, right, right. Um, numerous, at least two interviews we had him on. Yeah, and, and some of our uh, special uh, edition shows. Uh, yeah, we did. So it was very cool to have him on. And uh, wow, yeah, this is something you don't like to see. And it's just great to see the way the community kind of rallies. Around yes. people like this. Yes. By the way, you mentioned Trekkies one and two. One of those took place shortly, right? Exactly. Um, the, I, th- well, I think they showed a, maybe a little bit on, on the first Trekkies, but Trekkies two actually focused the, the locations of where these conventions are. And um, Shirley was one of them. Shirley was one of them, and uh, I think this this guy. You did say you were going to rent these to me or lend them to me. Well, I'm, I'm, we can do that. Yeah, because I, I haven't seen them yet. Well, you've been you've been do- watching a lot of other stuff. Yes, yes, and hmm. not busy at all. No, no, of course no, no, not. No, of course, course not. not. Well, before we go into our interview tonight with Ivan Doan from The Overturn, the series, we want to give you our last promo tonight. And this promo is for our good friends over at Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. If you are a lover of Fringe and you haven't checked up, checked out their show, 
you got to do this. What are you waiting for? Check out Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. Come close. I've got a quick question for you. Have you ever felt like you're out on the edge? Let's maybe call it the fringe. I happen to know someone who's fluent in gobbledygook. Well, I might be that guy. I'm Wayne Henderson. And I'm Dan, Metal Dan on Twitter. And together, we are the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast, devoted to the TV show Fringe. Check out Fringe Casting at MediaVoiceOvers.com slash Fringe, also in iTunes, the Zoom Marketplace, etc. Then call us with your Fringe thoughts and theories on our listener line at area code 206-984-1446. Thank you for your attention and have a nice day. Well, Miles, welcome back. back. Welcome back to the show. Delighted to be here. We are um, about to do an interview with the Overturn the series, um, which was done by Ivan Doan. You weren't a part of the interview, mm-hmm. but we've we've been real supportive of web series in the past. Oh, very much so. We want to bring make the fans aware of. Bringing it back to Sean with trenches. Mm-hmm. Um, Reese's series had a great interview with both of those guys, mm-hmm. a guy, guy and gal, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we obviously are lovers of Sanctuary. At least I'm a lover. You haven't watched Sanctuary, but not yet. But we're really fans of the web series, and so the fact that we have a, the potential to interview a sci-fi mystery web series, one that's coming out of the Ukraine, is okay. kind of interesting. Yeah, and they're billing it as kind of a Lost style show. Okay, so if you are fans of Lost, this may be a web series that you want to check out. Here's the interview. Hello, Christopher. Who are you? I'm here to help you. We've found him. Ladies and gentlemen, the Sci-Fi Diner has always been fans of web series. As a fan of Sanctuary, which originally started out as a web series, we have brought you interviews with the creators of the Risa series, the Guild, and the Trenches webisodes. Tonight, we bring you another interview with the creator, writer, producer, and actor of the soon-to-be-released Overturn series. Build as a sci-fi mystery, the story starts out with the kidnapping of Christopher Gabriel and goes from there. We are delighted to be speaking with Mr. Ivan Doan, the Christopher Gabriel of the series. Ivan, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Scott. Hey, no problem. Um, now, we talked a little bit before the show, but the medium of the web series has really taken off in the past few years. What makes doing a web series so attractive? And what made, I guess the other question that is, what made you choose to do a web series? Well, I think that uh, the most attractive thing for uh, the content producers to make a show for the web is that the audience uh, of the Internet is much bigger right now, and it's becoming uh, bigger. And I think that uh, in the next couple of years, the, uh, the shows that you are watching on the TV right now, uh, you'll be watching on the Internet. It's much convenient. And uh, basically, for people who want to create independent uh, content, the web is the most 
um, comfortable thing because no one can control you. And if you can find your audience, if people like what you want to offer, uh, your audience will be growing and uh, you can basically have your own show and you don't you, you don't need to prove anyone that it's good because people know it's good. Yeah, well, I just I just look at the advent of you know in, here here in the in in the United States where Netflix is streaming a lot of stuff and Hulu streams a lot. A lot of people are hitting it. It's still a marginal market, but it's growing. And and mm-hmm. I think you're right that um you know in the next in the upcoming years we're going to be finding a lot of our content. We're just going to be streaming it. We're going to be streaming it. We'll be downloading it. We'll be. Uh, you're watching it on demand and when we want to watch it. So I think you're probably right on there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think you know that, that uh, for example, Google right now, they have, uh, you know, released this thing they call uh, Google TV when you can uh, purchase a certain device and just connect it to your TV and uh, watch out, like all content, you can watch YouTube, you can watch everything. It's much more convenient for people. Yeah. You know? will, 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 will we be able to watch Overturn in that? Well, I think maybe in the next couple of years, it's um, very, very possible. Oh, very good. So uh, let's back up a little bit. What were your early science fiction influences? Um, and maybe part of that you can also talk about maybe some current influences um, as far as you know, a science fiction writer, etc.? Uh, well, uh, as just general science fiction influences, I would say that uh, I like uh, works of uh, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I like, you know, probably the best films that everyone knows, uh, like Blade Runner or, uh, you know, The Terminator, The Matrix, Avatar. So basically, I think in a good science fiction uh, is built with a good story. So I think that all films that have good stories inside them and multi-leveled stories those are the, the those are the projects that basically influenced me and um, in terms of uh, web i think that uh web is not really discovered to that degree uh with this genre with the science fiction genre uh i think for now the most successful projects uh out there are comedy, you know, parody projects like The Guild that you mentioned. There's a, a one um, called Dr. Horrible Sing Along Blog. That was a really good one. It's, by the way, it's kind of a parody on science fiction. Right. Exactly. And a story about a like, crazy scientist who wants to, you know, uh, kill the world or something like that. But it's parody once again. But I think, like, there hasn't been, like, really successful science fiction show uh, online, like long running and with uh, a complicated plot, you know, with a multitude of interesting characters, so that basically the audience will will want to see this, you know, like they have been watching Lost or this more recent uh, Fringe. Right, right. Uh, yeah, we we are huge fringe lovers on uh, on this show, so we absolutely identify with that. Tell us a little bit about Overturn the series. You know, what was the premise of the story? Uh, maybe tell us a little bit also. Where did the story come from for you? Uh, basically, I can tell that uh, when I was watching Lost on TV, and uh, I was thinking that. Uh, I, I like this kind of storytelling very much. When you have a grand mystery, 
that uh, that no one knows until the end of the story. And basically, I just uh, thought there 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 is no such show online. So let's try to make a show where we will create a really big grand concept uh, and try to um, show it as a small episodes. Uh, you know, so then I just started to write this story, and uh, I worked on it for a couple of months, uh, and eventually I just came up with the script of the first season, uh, which basically, which we will release um, on February 16th, that's our premiere date, uh, and, and, and the first season only kind of, uh, you know, opens or begins this mystery, so uh, the, 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 the style of our show, the way we will that we'll be um showing it is that people will will not know uh kind of what's really happening and what's uh, uh who is who in the story until the very you know maybe very end basically they will be seeing characters they will be seeing interaction but the question is why and uh, what's what's happening okay and uh, how many se- – so you mentioned that this is the first season. What do you, how many seasons do you have maybe plotted out or how, how many seasons are you thinking that this is going to run? Well, I think that, that uh, the story itself uh, allows us to have uh, many, like many seasons. It, it, can be, it can last for a couple of years because okay. it's like really grand story. Uh, for now, we'll release this small – First season, which will consist of five episodes. Uh, each episode is about five minutes long. Uh, which, once again, which which will only start the story, which will only give some glimpse uh, for for the audience about what and kind of start some uh, theories about what's happening in the story. But the story is really very big. I, I can say that there is a a global concept in the story and. Uh, Everything will be going towards that concept, and uh, I think uh, our, our, our audience will, will enjoy and will be giving a lot of different concepts. I think a lot of, a lot of uh, many, many, many interesting concepts about uh, what, what's it all about and who's Christopher Gabriel who are uh, other people in the story. So basically you're going to whet our appetites and leave us hanging for a little bit, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Basically, you know, each each uh, uh, episode will be ending with this sort of a cliffhanger when uh, people will be, you know, uh, left with the question and with uh, the space to, uh, you know, give an answer. What's what? What is this all about? You know, and then they uh, we will be releasing one episode a week, so they will have this week to figure it out. You know. And then uh, dialogue about it on your forums and go from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll have, we have a forum and uh, there will there is a chat on our website, so people will be able to interact and you know discuss uh, and give theories. That's what I basically want with this show. Oh, very, very cool. Well, you know, I just want to you know on the one of the synopsis the synopsis that you give in your online and your website, you know, especially the one that deals with your character, the character that you play, which is Christopher Gabriel. Um, mentions that he suffers from these terrifying nightmares. He gets kidnapped, experimented on. It looks like one of his nightmares is coming true. And, you know, he begins to realize that maybe what he thought was real isn't really real. And I kind of met, you mentioned the matrix a little bit. And I said, when I, 
before the show, before we started talking, I said, this sounds a little bit like Neo in the Matrix, waking up and discovering mm. that there's a uh, a world out there that uh, the world he was living might have been a lie, maybe wasn't true. Um, mm-hmm. Can you comment, does this, does, this pl- does this kind of idea play into the story at all? Well, you know what? I can tell you that if you uh, pick any uh, movie of this kind, like Avatar, for example, The Matrix, or any grand movie, there's al- always a concept of a person who uh, discovers that uh, something around her is not as it really looks like. And, and, and the second thing, that he's not who he really thinks he is. Oh, so know? he's discovering something yeah. about himself. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I would say that, of course, uh, like the, our story is not, not at all, um, uh, you know, it, it, the concept is not connected with the Matrix. I think maybe right, at this right. point that Christopher slowly realizes that uh, his life uh, is not what he thinks it is, but um, he, the, the, the difference is that all his life, because of these uh, nightmares, he he hasn't been able to explain himself and find the meaning. You know, like actually a lot of people in the world can find meaning, but in, in, in our story, it, it, it's taken to a, some extreme when the right. person just sees nightmares and they're very real and, uh, and, and no one can help. But uh, yeah, after the, after the people kidnap him and something's going on, uh, he feels that logically he cannot explain What's happening? Because in the Matrix, for example, uh, uh, Neo's teacher, uh, which is Amorpheus, he basically explains him and shows him what what's the reality. But in our world, the reality uh, will be kind of uh, you know showing itself very slowly, uh, and the audience will be understanding this reality slowly together with with Christopher. Oh, very cool, very cool. Well, now besides Christopher and yourself, you have a you have a pretty international cast that's helping you back up this piece. Tell us a little bit about the cast and the characters that they play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, that's good that you mentioned the international thing because um, actually it was one of my ideas that you know I, I really thought that there hadn't been any international show online, and I thought, well, it's, it, this can be a good trick, and 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 also it can help the story. Because it, it'll create this global kind of feeling, and and I basically I I've gathered a pretty good cast uh, from different countries. Uh, for example, one of them, uh, an actor by name Bill Constantinidis, he's from Australia, from Melbourne. Uh, he's a very good actor, and he plays a character uh, by name William Higgins, um, and he's one of those people who kidnapped Christopher. And uh, he is sort of a scientist, as people will understand from the first season. Uh, and uh, I think he will he'll also, not only Christopher, probably Bill uh, will be one of the mysteries. And uh, there will be a lot of questions of uh, if he, w- whether he's trying to help him or no. You know, because basically there is this moment in our story that... Uh, in one moment, people will think that the guy wants to help, but in the second moment, they'll think, no, he wants to, you know, cause him harm. And this kind of vague, you know, atmosphere will be present all the time. So, yeah, it's Bill Constantinidis from Melbourne. Uh, also, we have an actress from the Ukraine by name Maria Glazunova. 
she plays a Russian character, Maria Baturina. Uh, she is a sort of, uh, you know, a, psychi- a psychologist, uh, and uh, uh, one of the episodes is basically devoted to her character. It's kind of an interrogation scene when when she speaks with Christopher and. Uh, sort of a very vaguely let him understand that all his understanding of his life is wrong, that there is something uh, much more important and uh, um, kind of uh, much more, you know, global about him that, that, ha- that he does not want to understand. Because basically when they kidnap him, Christopher wants one thing. He wants to get out like a normal person, you know, and want to go back to his normal life. Mm-hmm. Also, we have uh, an actress from Nigeria... Her name is Philippa Peter. She plays a medium a telepathist by name Leisha. And uh, in one of the episodes, she um, accesses Christopher's previous life. And, uh, and basically, people, they kidnap him and, and they show him this recording of him and, and, and kind of this session of this hypnosis. And uh, it appears to be that he speaks like a totally different person. You know, under those hypnosis, mm-hmm. that hypnosis, and uh, there are a few more characters. Uh, one of them is Fabrizio Conti. It's Italian. Uh, he's played uh, uh, by an actor by name Paolo Nicosia. He's from Italy, and uh, one more character, which will I think cause a lot of questions. Uh, his, uh, the character is called The Servant, and he's played by Ukrainian actor Konstantin Gerasimyuk. Uh, basically, I think this will be very interesting for the audience because the, this character does not say uh, a word in the whole season until the very end. He uh. finishes the first season with one phrase that I think can, uh, will, will, will once again will uh, cause people give a lot of theories, theories, but uh, it, it, he creates a really, really big mystery because uh, this is a very interesting actor and he really has this, you know, mysterious and in some way demonic, uh, you know, charisma and uh, we, did, we just, we basically decided to, uh, you know, uh, almost not give him any text because uh, even when he's silent and He's not saying anything. He creates this very mysterious atmosphere around him. Very, very cool. Well, thanks for telling us a little bit about the characters there. That's kind of cool. We get a little bit of insight into them. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned a few times that, there's, that in the uh, in Overturn, there's this whole overarching mystery in that we don't really totally understand that, maybe even in the first season, but we're slowly, along with Chris, uh, you know, we're getting this kind of... Um, revealed to us is this the thing that kind of in your opinion sets uh overturn apart from maybe other fi- other sci-fi web series that are out there the fact that it maybe reads um um again not really comparing it but saying there's a little bit of a lost influence this overarching mystery that we're kind of discovering as we go along yeah i think that by the way the people who love lost will be interested in our web series because yes they they had this uh Grand, I would say, even biblical sort of a meaning of the whole story, and uh, and kind of a similar way we have this mystery, but I cannot say that it's kind of a uh, the same uh, biblical or religious meaning. Uh, but yeah, people people who like uh, multi-level stories, you know, when 
when when when you have to uh, create your own theories, when you have to try to explain yourself and to kind of dig, you know, deep inside the characters and kind of uh, and and pay attention to details uh, in the frame, uh, those people will be interested. Because you know what, I think that there are a lot of shows out there uh, on on the web because uh, in the recent years, uh, people. Uh, you know, have uh, obtained this um, kind of opportunity to shoot whatever. You know, the t- technology is so advanced that, if, uh, like, if you have a pretty, you know, decent camera, you can go out and shoot uh, a series. But the thing is that um, uh, for the sci-fi genre, you always have to come up with an interesting concept because... Otherwise, you know, otherwise you have to shoot a lot of action or 3D and, and CGI stuff. But I think for people who are shooting online, their budgets are not so big right now. You know, if you're shooting independently, for example. So I think that the story is what can make your project stand out. And I, I, I you know, I often quote, uh, not, not quote, but just mention this, uh, this, the Star Trek series. When they were starting in, in 60s, they didn't have any... CGI kind of stuff, or complicated CGI stuff. And by the way, their budgets were not so big. But they had really good characters, and they had really good stories. And I think that's why the project was successful. So I think uh, people who are doing for online, and, and um, they have to kind of uh, um, uh, put all their efforts into the story. That's basically what we were doing in, in Oldtern. Oh, very cool. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've been discussing uh, on our podcast, we're beginning the discussion again in some of our forums is, you know, what's important to a story? And, you know, you mentioned some key things here that the character, especially when you're dealing with budget concerns, it, that a character and, and the story is maybe prominent over the visual effects and over, I mean, you can have all the visual effects you want, but if you don't have a story, you don't have a character, it's kind of a shallow story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, now it's my understanding that Chris, the main character, has a video blog, or is oh, there's one that's going to be posted soon, uh, and that our listeners can have access to upcoming webisodes maybe a bit earlier than their official release. How can they do this? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, people who want to access our episodes earlier and uh, have access to some other uh, premium content like. Uh, Christopher's blog, they can just go to our website and they will see a big, a big sign up button, and uh, they just click this button and they sign up, and they be, they'll become our uh, privileged fans. Ooh. And uh, yeah, and they will be having all this access to benefits. And I think that, by the way, by the way, Christopher's blog can be a very uh, helpful thing in terms of um, you know understanding of what's happening because he'll be saying a lot of a lot of things from his background from his childhood from his experiences and when people will be comparing that stuff with the story itself with the series I think they may uh, find a pretty much right way uh, to kind of unlocking the meaning of the story. Very cool. Well, you know, it sounds like what you're and what you're giving uh, the viewers is is this place to find out, you know, additional content that that makes it makes the story even all that more richer. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So you said that the first episode is dropping when, and also where can it be found when it does drop? 
the first episode will be released on Wednesday, February 16th, uh, exactly at 5 uh, p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, people can find it on our website, www.overturnseries.com. Or on YouTube, we have a channel on YouTube. Uh, it's youtube.com slash overturnseries. Uh, they can also find us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash overturnseries. On Twitter, twitter.com slash overturnseries. So basically, if they just go on uh, one of these places, they won't miss the show. So the best way to support you is by obviously becoming a fan on maybe Facebook and also watching the series. And yeah, any, 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 any other way that our listeners maybe help you out as you're starting this endeavor? Well, I think right now the best thing that they can do is just to uh, start watching the show and uh, uh, start communicating with us, start saying their theories, go to our website, register and form, you know, and start uh, interacting with, uh, with us. Because I think this is one of the benefits of uh, the web platform, that people can interact with you directly. People can interact with creators right. and say their theories or maybe suggest them uh, something uh, where the story uh, should go, you know. And if it's interesting, why not? We can right. add it. Right. You know, it's interesting. I was, it's one of the questions I actually skipped over as we were talking was, how is social media helping you promote overturning? We're kind of touching on it here anyways. Um, the idea that social media... I think is also maybe changing a little bit about the way a web series run and maybe the way uh, you as a writer and producer can interact with your audience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of, uh, a lot of smart people out there and people who are talented and creative. And uh, if people are interested uh, in your show and they suggest some ideas, uh, you know, and I, basically we read all that stuff and, uh, if we see that there is something interesting and there is something uh, creative, we consider that and we can use that. It's not a problem. I think this is one of, like probably the best benefit of, of of releasing your project online and Twitter and Facebook. They uh, those platforms help help us a lot. Right, right. Well, in, in one way, your web series almost becomes a collaborative process in a sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, by by the way, uh, there are a lot of people right now who are helping us uh, promoting and they're re- retweeting our tweets. And by the way, uh, in order to make this uh, project more international, we uh, have decided to add subtitles in different languages. And there have been many uh, volunteers. They didn't even ask money. They just said, we can help you, and we, we want to help you. And they translated the subtitles. I think right now we have Arabic version, uh, Brazilian, Portuguese, German, Italian, uh, Russian, Vietnamese, I think something else. Oh, wow. Well, that's, 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 that's neat. It's neat to see the way the community is kind of surrounding it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Ivan, for coming on to the show and for um, and for talking about uh, talking about again overturn the series and how that's all uh, and how that's all coming about. And I look forward to seeing this drop and uh, and seeing it you know come to fruition. And I can't wait to watch it. Watch the first episode. Okay, Scott. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I love your podcast, your websites, and. Uh, thank you very much. The stars have secrets. Some say these secrets have fallen from the skies. The government says it's not true. But in the 40s, they created an organization to track down 
flyers to learn their technology and bring one back. The threat of peace leads Black Ridge Defense to investigate rumors of a secret organization named Division 10. Typhon system-wide has pushed ahead of its rivals to be the first in orbit and the first to mine the asteroid belt. But when they learn of Blackridge's investigation, they form an alliance to take control of Division 10. And they're going to take down a president to do it. As their plans come to a head, something emerges from a burning building in New York City. Something that could threaten Typhon and Blackridge victory. Their soldiers are on the way, and so are the black helicopters of Division 10. But there's another player in this game, and far higher stakes than control of a government or new technology. The Flyers are back. Enemy Lines, a novel written and performed by John Miro. For more information, visit enemylinesnovel.com. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We've run out of time, but we've mm-hmm. got to wrap up the show. Before we do, we did get a Sci-Fi 5 in 5 in this week, and this comes from our good friend Colin from across the globe, from England. Mm-hmm. So well, I figured what we'd do is we'd read each of these every other, and his subject for his, for his Sci-Fi 5 in 5 is his, fa- his five favorite Sci-Fi ships. And so this is always that's always al- a great list. Always a great list to do. So thank you, Colin, for uh, emailing those in. And by the way, if anyone else wants to email them in, sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com or you can call in at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three. All right. Well, let's start. Um, why don't you do number five, and I'll do the evens. Okay. Um, number five on his list is uh, Battlestar Galactica. Um, uh, nothing overly fancy, just get the job done, a, a design that makes sense for a carrier. I'm not sure if he means uh, from the classic series or the, uh, the the newer one. They're both roughly you know, the same, same shape. The same shape, yeah. Yeah, and they, they do. They are carriers. Yeah, They're right. Nothing beautifully about the ships, but you know, I liked it. I grew fond of the ship. They're, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And number four is the Minbari Cruiser. It just looks mean and a little bit like fish. Hmm. Minbari, that's from Next Gen? Uh, Babylon 5. Babylon 5. See, mm-hmm. boop, lost some Greek cred there, sorry. Oh. Uh, the Hammerhead Attack Cruiser is number three from Space Above and Beyond. Wow, that, that goes back. Uh, <laughs> I like this because it's a design that you believe humans would do. Functional at packing a punch. Take a shark head, wings, and sharpen its teeth. Is that a good description of it? I never was really watched the show, so uh, I'm losing a little geek cred there, too. Oh, well, i <laughs> No, not just me. Number not two me. is the Naboo Cruiser. I like the polished silver finish, and the sound was cool. You know, I have to agree. I like the, the Naboo ships were pretty cool. They also had a kind of a World War II uh, fighter feel to them. Um, yeah, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I like it. A little bit like a jet almost. Mm-hmm. A, little, a little jet-like. Well, give us number one. What's his number one, Miles? Well, now this was hard because it was, it was bound to Trek due to my bias, but, but which one? Define as a pocket battleship. The, the Galaxy class is a flying city, which in the finale had a cloak and a spinal lance. But for me, it has to be the original Enterprise, the ship that started the dream. Original Enterprise. Do yeah. You, do you, do you, did you like that Enterprise above all others? I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I like it above all the others, but I, 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 I do like it, though. And he has a good reason. It's a ship that started it all. He, he, he is correct. You just can't argue with that. And no. he, he ends this little note by saying, live long in podcast. Love that slogan. It's a good slogan. It is a great 
I wish I wish I would have come up with it. <laughs> Thank you, Colin, again so much for sending those in. And again, anyone else wants to share their sci-fi five and five, you can drop it into our Facebook feed or or Twitter it to us or email it or call it the number that we give you. Mm-hmm. I think that is about it, Miles. It's been a jam-packed show, a lot of news. A lot of stuff to talk about. So we're going to try and keep it as close to an hour as we can. But thank you for staying with us tonight. Tune in next week when we bring you some more news mm-hmm. and uh, call in, leave some feedback in the listener show. Let us know what you're watching. That's where we really talk about things. All right. Until next time, good night and good luck. We'll see you.
And we hope you enjoyed listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. If you want to find out more about the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, please visit SciFiDinerPodcast.com where you can find show news, pictures, videos, and many other things about the Sci-Fi Diner. You can also find the Sci-Fi Diner where else, Miles? We have a Facebook fan page, and uh, we have very active discussion going on there between uh, Scott and myself and you, the listeners. So I encourage you, please uh, join our Facebook fan page, and let's talk some sci-fi. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash sci-fi diner. You can find me on Twitter. That's uh, Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G. And I am uh, Son of Worf uh, at Twitter, and I also uh, on uh, Trek Space, uh, Son of Worf at Trek Space. And, Lee, and we want to hear from you. So please email us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com or call our listener line at one 508 4343 and let us know your thoughts on what you're watching, what you like, what you don't like. We want to hear from you. You can find more great podcasts at lifestylepodnetwork.com.au.